0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. We've all been there before at the fly shop. We're standing in front of the rod rack, trying to justify another five weight, and you hear a voice. Kids these days with their sling packs and their Twitters. No wonder I can't catch any fish. And you see the shop employee standing there, nodding along, but at a rhythm that clearly demonstrates his well-honed skill to hear without listening. His a thousand yard stare that's evident to everyone, but the ranting grump. So after nearly two decades of formal, empirical, anthropological research, I've developed an efficient classification system and even a taxonomy for the types of individuals one encounters in fly shops. As a former fly shop employee, an occasional customer, and really what it comes down to is a curious observer of awkward situations, I believe that I am uniquely qualified for such a study. So... That being said, I'd like to present to you my completely objective findings. Now, one quick note to uh, to, to, to mention before I get into this: um, I try to be gender inclusive when I write, when I speak, using the term fly fisher and angler as much as possible, just to be um, polite. But at the same time, here I'm going to use male pronouns and. Uh, I'm sure I've noticed these traits and these behaviors in women, but honestly, in my mind, all of these goofballs um, are are men. So, that being said, a braver author than me can write the, quote, annoying lady anglers article. I'm just not going to do it. So, the first person is the gear guy or the high roller. So, if it's new, he wants it. If it's redundant, it still doesn't matter. And even if he doesn't have any plans for to fish for tuna, well... He'll still uh, pick up that 14 weight because you never know when it'll come in handy. So he's fishing primarily in the stock delayed harvest streams of an urban environment, but he's convinced that the most advanced technology is necessary for his once-a-month excursions to the local creek. So even if casts over 15 feet are impractical or impossible based on where he's fishing, he'll throw his arm out trying to shoot the whole line in the parking lot of the fly shop all the while, between grunts and breaths, talking about the modulus binding compound and grilling poor fly shop employee. On the stream, he looks like he stepped out of a 1990s Orvis catalog. There's not a D-ring on his vest or his pack that doesn't have something dangling from it. There's no pocket that's been unfilled, and everything is as clean as a whistle. His talk in the fly shop isn't so much about the fish and fishing as it is about the latest nipper technology and why $65 for a pair of nail clippers was actually isn't that bad of a deal, why it's completely necessary. If the guys in the shop work on commission, he is definitely tolerable, if not ideal. So the second guy is the leaner or the loiterer. So do you work here is a question that might get asked to him by another customer. He says... No, but I'm here so much that I'm sure I could. And he laughs, and, and the shop owner rolls his eyes, and uh, it's a little less inconspicuous than it was the last time he heard this exchange. So this is what happens. The casual atmosphere of a fly shop breeds this kind of individual. Leaning on the counter, probably right where one would typically be standing if they were purchasing items and, and being you know, a, a paying customer, He offers a running commentary on fishing, on gear, on angling personalities and the weather. He talks about the stake stocking policies, about politics, about music, about big box stores, and most importantly, his personal advice to help the shop bring in some customers. Not so much about the fishing, about how the shop can bring in some more customers. So this is the kind of guy who, if the fly shop employees turn on the vacuum while you're talking or standing there, you might be the loiterer. And I did this a few times, actually, years ago. Not very polite, but necessary after closing time. Third guy, the name dropper or the seminar guy. So he's the guy who says, I was reading what Lefty wrote the other day, and it reminded me of a conversation I had with Tim at Somerset last year. That's, that's Tim Ray Jeff, FYI. Anywho, it all goes back to that time I was having pizza and Tom Rosenbauer walked in. So I get it. We all get it. It's fun to meet someone who has written a book or who has been on television, but it seems to me like fly fishing, quote, celebrities can be some of the most down-to-earth, humble men and women out there. So I've met some that I believe that fish bite because even the trout know how big of a deal they are. But most are hardworking and pleasant individuals. I think the last thing that a lot of them would would want is to be the object of hero worship by some 45-year-old guy. So the pinnacle of Name Dropper's awkwardness doesn't always happen at the fly shop. It's when he's hovering around the famous fly fisher as he's setting up before a presentation. It's a scene I've seen played out time and time again at fly shop demo nights, at seminars, at conferences. The speaker fiddles with their laptop, rotating around the little table to check connections and test settings. And then the Name Dropper guy, seminar guy, is like their dance partner. And he's an overzealous fan who has to shift constantly in order to stay as close to their idol as possible. While this guy's getting his or her uh, his presentation ready, something cordial but ultimately dismissive is said, and the starstruck angler takes a seat in the front row, waiting for more autographs. So that's the name dropper. Fourth, the curmudgeon or the scowler. So from the intro, you knew this guy would be on here, as he was, you know, mentioned. Perhaps the most infamous of fly shop customers, if not the most notorious of all fly fishermen, the crusty old angler is an essential part of the scene. It's like an antagonistic angling Amish, and spreading his fundamentalist preferences with the stinkiest of stink eyes. If Isaac Walton didn't use it, it's newfangled and detrimental to the sport. It's only a little bit of hyperbole, but that's kind of what it sounds like. The most common targets of his ire, in no particular order, are as follows. Kids, the internet, new things, young people, things that are different than they were 30 years ago, electronics, kids these days, those blankety-blank liberals or conservatives, depending on what kind of person they are. So can youth be obnoxious and irresponsible? Absolutely. Are experimental policies misguided? Of course they are, but just like they've always been. The reality is that there are a lot of jerk teenagers and there's a lot of jerk codgers, The only difference is that one group should know better. Some of the fly fishers I respect the most have, quote, been in the stream for a while, and they'll freely share their opinions, but it isn't at the stake of alienating anyone or coming across as an insufferable elitist. If you disagree with me, I'll scowl at you from in front of my keyboard and behind my microphone, just FYI. Last person, number five, the genuinely nice guy. So this might be a letdown after four uh, exciting and controversial things, but um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the primary reason why fly fishers go to fly shops. So in this day and age, I can, if I want to, buy anything I want online. I can buy a $1,000 fly rod, or I can buy a $1 pack of dubbing. And if I don't like it, if it doesn't make you 100% happy, I can mail it back. So why do I step foot in a brick-and-mortar storefront? The, the number one reason Knowledgeable, personable, helpful employees. Additionally, rubbing shoulders with other customers who are my angling peers is entertaining and enjoyable. Men and women who care about the sport, the resource, and other people make all the difference from the online purchase to the in-person purchase. So shops can kind of be the town square of the fly fishing community. While picking up goods can be the crank that keeps the whole wheel spinning, it's the relationships that ultimately turn the handle. The genuinely nice guys and girls of the fly fishing scene and culture can make or break a shop's success, both financially and then also in terms of legacy. And there's something to be said for that. There's some fly shops that have a legacy, not because they're selling the most or they're selling the best but because of what they mean to that community and how that trickle down affects the watersheds that they find themselves near and the kind of people that they churn out to go out and catch fish and also protect those watersheds a lot of times it's the fly shops more than the actual town halls that are making the big differences so there you have it those are our five people that you could meet at fly shops they are, again, the gear guy, the high roller, then the leaner or the loiterer, the name dropper or the seminar guy, the curmudgeon or the scowler, and lastly, the generally nice guy or girl. So this has all been the fruit of countless excruciating conversations, uncomfortable situations, and comical scenarios I've personally been involved in. And surely, if you've been in a fly shop or two, you've experienced these specimens or some hybridized strain of them at your local shop. Perhaps you can even see tendencies of your own to kind of be the leaner or be the gear guy from time to time. And the reality is that no one's perfect. But truthfully, if we're all self-aware, that's the first step to fixing the problem. That, and if you come a lot to the fly shop, bring coffee for everybody. And, uh maybe don't stay so long. So here's the moral of the story. Be nice. If you're a fly shop owner, be nice. If you're a fly shop employee, be nice. Being nice will sell more than anything else. If you're a customer, be nice. That'll endear you to everyone at the shop, both other customers and the employees. But truthfully, if you're a human, being nice is a good way to go through life. It won't necessarily translate into catching more fish, but neither will being scowly and curmudgeonly and difficult. Actually, I think that I read somewhere, a very, very scientific study, that a fish's lateral line can sense annoying and miserable organisms. So there's something to be said and thought of in regards to that. So this was an adaptation from a post that I put up in January of 2016. Um, I feel like it's aged well, and so I thought I would share it today. So there will be a link to that original article in the show notes um, on castingacross.com. Additionally, in the show notes will be a link to this week's product recommendation, or this week's recommendation, which is the original tie right. Now, I know a lot of us feel like we don't need not tying helps, but I have to tell you, watching my 7-year-old pick this thing up and being shown how to use it and tying a clinch knot on his first try um, endeared me to this little $12 um, orange product. Um, there's two of them. There's the Tyrite Senior, which is a little larger, and that's red. And orange Tyrite Junior, and it's a little bit smaller. And what it is, is essentially a spring-loaded hook that's um, in a little casing that spins. It's really difficult to explain um, without pictures, so I would just suggest you go to tie hyphen again there's a link in my show notes um, but this is a great little product that is not just beneficial for kids but if you have dexterity issues if you have eyesight issues if you are fishing in cold weather and that's causing limitations if you're fishing with gloves on if you just want uh, to thread your fly and tie knots a little bit more efficiently and this thing's great. You depress a little plunger. A little hook comes out the tip of the thing that looks like a small pen. You hook on the um, bend of your your hook, and it holds it securely. And then you can rotate that little plunger. Um, as you're, all you're doing is hanging on to your line and the tag end of your your tippet, and uh, you rotate it six seven times. Run that tippet through the loop that you've created and you're not doing anything different than you would do with your hands you just have a very secure grip on your fly so again this is very very valuable to anyone fishing in more extreme conditions someone who's learning to tie knots or someone who might struggle with uh, seeing or feeling or moving a fly around and honestly for twelve dollars it's a great deal it's not the kind of thing you could just whip together in your garage from things you already have that actually requires a little bit of skill and manufacturing to make it what it is but definitely check it out have it on hand for helping somebody uh have it on hand if you have a set of gear that you give to folks that you take fishing it uh has cut down on me having to tie as many knots for my own kids and it's going to be something I carry so if I bring somebody fishing I can show them how to use it real quick in the parking lot not that I don't want to be around them but I know people appreciate having that independence and tying knots for a lot of first-time fly fishers um, is is one of the limiting factors and so this really just knocks out of the park and for less than $12 it is certainly a, a wise investment to get one or two. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish.